Hello and welcome to this week's Mindset Musings. We've got a fantastic guest on the show today. But first of all, hello to my co-host, Simon Gardner. How are you, Simon? Yes, mate. Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Yes, good. Thanks very much. Enjoying the what we've got of the summer. And um, work is getting very busy now, but um, Sam, I'm liking it. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Although, being quite fair, I don't like the hot weather. I prefer a nice dingy pub. I like to be in shade. So that's why you see all these um, working from home, you know, sat in the garden with laptops and stuff. But I, I just prefer to be in the office with no sun on me. Talking of pubs, have you paid off that bar tab around at my place that you racked up the other day? You put in my name. Um, I haven't been in your pub for eight years. <laughs> My CCTV would suggest otherwise. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about yeah, that later. We'll talk about that later. We'll sort out. Um, right, on to this week's guest. We have the fantastic Ebony Jones. Hello, Ebony. Hello. Hi, Ebony. If those of you who don't know who she is, from Portsmouth, such as my Simon and myself, she's a professional boxer. Um, and today we're just going to be asking her a few questions about her career so far. So, Ebony over to you can you just tell us a little bit about how you got started in boxing so I started boxing when I was about 12 I started kickboxing first when I was 10 because I was watching this documentary with my dad and about these kids doing sort of Thai boxing and kickboxing so I asked him if he could take me and I I just started with all my brothers my two older brothers and they stopped and I just sort of carried it on and then I made the switch over to boxing when female boxing was in the Olympics for the first time in 2012. Mm. So I think I was about 12, 13 then, and that's when I sort of decided that's what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, started boxing then. So what's the difference between um, the kind of more technical differences between the kickboxing and the boxing? Are they vastly different or are they quite similar skill sets? Well, they are actually quite different because you'd think kickboxing is sort of the same, but you're just adding kicks in as well. But obviously with the kickboxing, it is more dominantly kicks. And with box, and you've sort of got to stand in a different stance uh, because you're kicking as well as punching. But yeah, switching over to the boxing, the footwork's different. So yeah, it's just focusing more on the boxing side of it. Uh, cool. Did you find it quite a natural progression over or did you find it difficult, the transition? Well, no, I boxed basically when I was kickboxing. I mainly was sort of using my hands and not throwing enough kicks. And I actually lost a couple of fights where I was sort of not getting the eye-catching kicks in. And obviously, I'm quite short as well. I just feel like boxing suited me better. I loved Mike Tyson when I was about, like around that age as well. And I was young. I was always watching videos of him. And obviously, you can't really move like how he does being a kickboxer. So I just found, yeah, I, I just found it quite natural, really, the transition. <laughs> It's funny you should say that because um, I, I'm a big boxing fan, but I'm an armchair fan. Um, however, yeah. I did I did come and watch your um, last fight at Wembley Arena, which we'll chat about in a bit. But it's funny that you mentioned Mike Tyson because you, for people that haven't seen Ebony, you are, you are sort of on the shorter side compared to the opponents you fought, aren't you? And you do yeah. have that very Tyson-esque technique about you where you kind of, you, you come in from up and underneath. Um, yeah. And you, you you kind of throw a lot of body shots. So, I mean, I'm not really comparing female boxing to male boxing too much, but there are some hallmarks there. So it's funny you should have said that he was your um, your um, inspiration. Yeah, well, and the thing is as well, it's more, you've got male boxing, female boxing, but it's all sort of come into one. So now it's just sort of seen as a whole as boxing. So you can sort of compare the two. And obviously I, I sort of, I love Mike Tyson, not saying I'm anywhere near as good as him, but where he was short and his opponent was taller. 
sort of taking things from that and the way he moves and sometimes you can use being shorter as an advantage sort of thing. I'll tell you, um, other than yourself, of course, um, a female boxer I'm a huge fan of and she's done amazing things to grow this, that side of the sport is um, the Irish boxer Katie Taylor. Are you, are you a fan of hers? Yeah, I, I love Katie Taylor and I also just like the way she's just always herself and she's just sort of, you can do sort of things to get more media attention and stuff like that, but she just sort of lets her box and do the talking. Mm. That's what I like about her. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about the social media side of things because you, you were obviously on the BBC documentary in March and obviously I did watch it in, in prep for this interview and kind of on it, there, there was a, an interesting part where you were obviously with your sister and things and you were having to take photos for, for social media and things and you, and you do mention that it's becoming more and more of a part of it. And obviously, you know, the, the, the sort of self-publicity and the PR to obviously get yourself in front of these fights, to get yourself in front of the cameras and things. Have you found that a bit of a pain or is that something you enjoy? Um, I wouldn't say it's something I particularly enjoy. Like, obviously, the boxing is what I enjoy. But obviously, if it helps me um, sort of market myself, then definitely. So, like, before, if I was training, I'd think... I'm not going to just take a picture every time I'm training or a video. I'm just focusing on my training. But obviously, as you start to fight more in the public eye, it's hard. You sort of realise that actually you do have fans in a way. I don't even like saying that. It sounds strange. But there is people who look up to you and do are interested in your training sessions or in what you're eating and stuff like that. So something I used to feel silly about posting before is actually people do follow that and they are interested. And yeah, that's the way to sort of um, grow your following which which can help a lot yeah definitely and 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 you know also inspire other kind of younger female fighters as well no doubt definitely there was like a little there was even a little girl in Portsmouth and she sort of her dad said she looked up to me and stuff and I didn't really realize until I went to go and meet her and I gave her like a t-shirt with like Teen Jones on and she just looked so happy and just stuff mm. like that it's just nice to see that you don't always realize and, until you actually sort of see like the young girls and stuff yeah, definitely. So, Ebony, obviously, take us through a bit more of the journey. So, you're you're 12, you're 13, you've transitioned to, to to boxing, and then things started to get quite serious quite quickly, didn't they? Because you, you know, eventually ended up on Team GB. How did that happen? How did you get noticed? What happened between 13 and Team GB? So, you can start boxing for England around the age of 15. I think it's younger now because you can basically go internationally at 15 so I won the national championships I've won that about three times it's best in England and then best in Britain and then you go for trials then I got I got picked box for England won a European title and stuff um so then normally you could get onto GB from there but you can't do that until you was 18 at the time it was 18 hmm. so I wanted to obviously obviously had to stay in education until I was 18 but then at the same time I wanted to be training full-time you can do this by joining the army and get on the army boxing team. So I joined the army so I could train full time and you can get on team GB whilst in the army. So then that was the goal. And yeah, I just managed to get onto team GB through winning the national championships. You go for your trial and then that's it really. So yeah, I was up for team GB from 2017 to 2019. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then obviously having watched the documentary and things, things weren't, as straightforward as they seemed and you you know you ended up parting ways with team gb what what happened there basically there was at that time there was not many weight categories so it was three weight categories and then they added more but it went from 51 kilos straight to 57 and obviously i was in between that and 
sort of GB will want you the biggest makes sense for me to go down a weight rather than up a weight so basically just making that keeping that weight just fly weight and I was 21 I just couldn't do it anymore so yeah that's what I decided to sort of go back to work in the army the professional turning professional at that time wasn't an option because it wasn't big at all there was there was sort of no point and it's only really just started to get big was there no option to go up a weight category or did that not sort of suit your your style they'd already have someone who was big at the weight strong at the weight in that weight category so they it always sort of makes sense they all sort of want you to go down a weight category rather oh, okay. than go up I'm assuming you were obviously um, sort of devastated by it really but how did that affect you mentally how what sort of mindset did you have to adopt to kind of deal with that the fact that you uh, were off the GB team yeah well obviously it was I just felt like a failure because that was all I ever wanted since a kid and it was expected of me as well from people around me not in a like, nasty way but obviously whenever people would see me when I'd be back in Portsmouth and they'd be asking about Olympics and stuff like that so yeah it was quite hard to deal with obviously I felt like I'd been at the very very top and then I was sort of felt like I was at the bottom again because I wasn't boxing anymore um yeah it was just it was just quite hard really my first reaction is like a parent let's say although I've got two young boys but the feeling was still there when I watched that documentary if this was any other setting other than a sport setting if there was an organization putting pressure on a on a young girl to to keep her weight down at such a young age obviously that would really you know that wouldn't go down too well would it in 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 you know any other setting other than a sports setting how, how did you sort of cope with that pressure and you know what were those around you sort of saying about that at the time well, obviously, when I got on Team GB, that was at Bantam weight, which was the weight above the weight they wanted me at. And they said, would you be able to make flyway? And if you can, you, you can go to Olympic qualifiers. And obviously, I, I lied. I was probably just lying to myself as well. I was like, yeah, I can make that. No problem. Uh, I'll be able to do that. And obviously, then I'd done it for the World Championships, but it was quite hard. But then obviously, I just couldn't keep doing that, really. But yeah, I was just sort of saying, yeah, I could do it. I can do it. But that's just the way it is, really, I suppose, in boxing. If you, there was somebody else at the other category and then it didn't need me no more, so I'm sort of no use to anyone up there if you're not getting medals. But as awful as it sounds, that's the way it is. They, I can't expect them to keep me on a GB programme if there's nowhere for me on that programme. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it must have been tough, but also, in, in a way, maybe just a little bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders that you can just go back to eating and being just a healthy young lady. Um, well, to be honest, I, I probably wasn't very healthy. I, I was probably, I went the other way. I was just, like, probably eating too much and <laughs> and probably drinking too much as well. But I suppose, like, when you think about, I felt like boxing was my purpose in life. If I didn't have that, I suppose I was trying to make up for it with other things. So, yeah, it wouldn't I sort of got back into boxing again that I was sort of felt healthy again felt like myself again I probably put on too much weight <laughs> I went away to Belize um, with the army and probably too much rum there <laughs> <laughs> to rise to the top of becoming a professional athlete obviously comes with huge sacrifice especially being a professional boxer how have you dealt with that I mean you did it was covered a little bit in the documentary about sacrificing you know birthday parties and family gatherings and stuff uh, having to be strict with your training and watching what you eat how how do you go about all that sort of stuff yeah obviously it was quite hard in a sense like missing out a lot of family things they were going for a meal sometimes just I wouldn't go because I'd sort of be sat there and couldn't really eat none of the stuff that was in say that restaurant so 
I wouldn't go or like in the documentary one year I had a birthday cake I sort of blew out the candles and then well a few years I've done this and sort of freeze the cake because obviously I wanted to have some of it but I couldn't until I had had my fight so it's tremendous discipline yeah fair, fair play to you so obviously you've had the um disappointment of team GB um and you're you're back in the army so what was your kind of outlook from there on how come you didn't give up on your professional dream what what kind of kept the drive in you to to keep going so I come off GB and I could have stayed on the army boxing team which would have been just boxing at domestic level but I thought if I can't do it properly I don't want to just be coasting so I obviously decided to go back to work back to my regiment had a bit of time out of boxing but I just wasn't myself and like I said I didn't feel like I was very healthy I just sort of looked at myself and thought I need to get back into it, even if it's just sort of training. So forced myself to the boxing gym, which is in Guildford with Johnny Edwards. And obviously the professional game started to get big for, for the women. And obviously Taylor had turned over and it just seemed like another option. So I started training a bit and then I thought, no, I could turn pro and I could I could really make some of this sort of now or never really. Yeah, your, your trainer, John, shortly after I discovered about yourself, uh, by the way, which of, of which I was just watching the Sky Sports boxing show and um, this young lady in, with blonde hair and cowboy boots and a cowboy hat strolled out <laughs> to um, to fight in a debut fight. And the commentator said this Ebony Jones from Portsmouth and obviously being from Portsmouth and a sort of armchair boxing fan. I was like, wow, fantastic. Um, so I decided to then sort of research a bit more about you and I am a full full Ebony Jones fan. Um, John seems like uh, a pretty level character, quite experienced, but he doesn't seem like a hardened kind of trainer. He seems almost as much of a, a mentor towards you as he is a boxing trainer. Would you say that's fair? And how do you think he's kind of helped you along the way? Yeah, he definitely he's helped me a lot. So when I turned up at the gym, I was sort of not knowing if I was wanting to box again properly. And he put a lot of time into me and sort of when I was struggling a bit, he helped me out. Yeah, he's not just there as a trainer. He's, he's there for if I if I needed him. And yeah, obviously you've got to have sort of a good a good bond with with your train, definitely. So Ebony, this gym in Guildford, did you move up there? Did you, did you drive there every day? How, how did that gym come about? How did you discover it? So I was based in Aldershot and obviously right. Guildford, only like 20 minutes from there. But obviously being from Portsmouth, John was a coach at Guildford and he was part of the, the Southern Counties boxing. So I'd see him around a lot when I was young and I knew that he was a good trainer, like passionate about what he does. Obviously, you've got to be careful. A lot of people are in it for money and when you turn professional and you can be a lot of a lot of snakes. Um, you just got to be careful. And obviously, I felt like I, I trust John. So yeah, it was it was obviously close. But then obviously, I, I went to Tid, back to Tidworth, which was a bit further away. But I was still sort of travelling to Guildford to train because obviously I liked it there. Yeah, yeah, no, cool, cool. And so, I mean, I mean, as quite rightly said, you know, you're you're sort of riding that crest of a of a wave now, where you know women's boxing is being taken more seriously. There was a stat on that documentary. There was only three licenses issued in 2015. Last year, 28 licenses. So it's really starting to motor now. And sometimes you do get people that are at the sort of forefront of these sports, or they they're emerging within the sport, or or any sort of movement when it becomes popular and you're sort of, you know, helping push that. So do you feel like you're part of it and pushing it forward and inspiring others? Yeah, definitely. It's just at the time now where it's getting exciting. And obviously there was the first sort of female fight in Madison Square Garden, not even um, long ago. So 
yeah, I feel like that. And also when we're getting these these cards on Sky, like I'm I'm mixed in with the obviously with everybody else and there's not just one female fight on, on these cards is getting more and more so and yeah hopefully like young girls can sort of look at this and, and more girls want to do boxing really yeah yeah no but just on that fight obviously Wembley Arena does the extra attention and the um, obviously the, like the weigh-in you know the, the, the obviously the big event the day before the, the cameras does that bring or has that bought more out of you or is it just extra things to block out whilst you're fighting and, and fully focus on it is it does it help or does it hinder um I, I don't know I don't think it particularly helps or hinders it's just sort of another thing that sort of comes with it it's part of the job I think it sort of helps in a way of getting the the exposure and sort of building up a bit of hype for the fight but I think with that sort of thing you've got to be yourself because say if I sort of put on a character then it's quite something I've got to keep up in interviews and stuff which could be draining but I just think if I'm myself it's just something else that's added to it and um, hopefully by doing the press conferences by doing the weigh-ins you can get a few more fans that way. Now, as you know, I'm from the recruitment industry and we wanted to give a quick shout out to contractor payroll specialists Workwell, our founding partners here on the Mindset Musings podcast. Their ongoing enthusiasm to this show since its launch demonstrates their commitment to supporting their agency partners, both with their growth um, and sharing expertise across the industry to raise recruitment standards nationwide. Workwell provide a huge range of outsourced payroll solutions to recruitment agencies and contractors to take away the pressures of managing their financial requirements. Now that's whether the contractor wishes to work via limited company, umbrella, PAYE, or solutions like PEO, and that's either in the UK or now internationally as well. Their knowledge and passion for evolving the future of recruitment really does run deep, and this is evident in their consistent development of cutting-edge services, including compliance and back-office solutions. Now, you can find them by visiting workwellsolutions.com or at Workwell across any social media platform. Right, let's get back to it. So, just on the mind stuff, do you, I mean, we, we had uh, Mikey McKinson on uh, probably about six or seven months ago, and he you know, he, he didn't reveal the actual tactics. He wanted to keep him obviously close to his chest, but he said that he works just as much on his mind as he does on his obviously physical training. Do they lay on mind coaches or do they lay on, you know, people to, is that part of your training to work on the mentality side or, or is it, you know, does the mind follow where you're confident, where you put your body in, in that sense? Do you work on your mind? Yeah, so obviously sports psychology is a massive thing, but I've always felt, obviously I've tried it uh, a couple of times, I've always felt like it's a bit too much. It can be draining. I feel like if you're thinking, doing the psychology, sometimes you're thinking into things too much. And I think that just makes it a bit worse for me. I feel like if I'm fit, if I'm feeling good in the gym and I'm training every day, that's where my mind feels good. Say even now, like I've just had my fight. I haven't got a fake fight date yet, but I've got to keep training. And say if I don't get up and run, my mind's just not in the right place. Uh, I feel rubbish. So uh, for me, the training, that's what gets my mind good um yeah it's not it's not for everyone I suppose I just think yeah with this sports psychology kind of thing training the mind I just feel like sometimes I'm thinking into it a bit too much on that subject then Ebony when you're sat in the um in the dressing room you have your hands wrapped you know you're kind of like an hour or so away from the fight 45 minutes away from from the ring walk how do you control your emotions and your mind do you 
do you anything to focus when you're at that sort of level? I know you don't do too much about the psychology and the lead up to the fight, as it were, but that that kind of intense sort of short, sharp bit of time before you're about to walk in the ring. Do you do you do any techniques or are you just concentrating on pad work and thinking about when you're going on holiday next? Yeah, I just sort of thinking about just going through the techniques, the things you've been learning in the gym. And the thing is, so like you can have your routines before you fight and the things that get you. But I feel like sometimes if you have too much of things to get you focused and things that you need to do and like a routine each time, if that one time you don't get to do that, if, if they call you early out to the fight or the fight gets stopped, you'd be panicking. So I just don't like having too much of a fixed routine before. So I've done it where I fought internationally before and sometimes you've got to be ready to go and, it don't matter really what, how you felt before the fight. You still get the same result when you, once you get into the ring. And now when I'm nervous, I think I've felt like this 65 times before. I know it was amateurs, but I felt like this before. And each time I've got in there and there's been nothing to worry about and I've performed. So that's what I just sort of think of the previous times. But it's funny, each time you fight, you think, no, I feel worse than what I ever have. I feel more nervous, but you, you don't. It's just your mind sort of can play tricks on you when you're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so true so true so you, you've obviously mentioned the sort of pre-fight prep there what does 12 weeks from a fight look like or maybe you know the the, the, the sort of two months in the run-up to the fight because obviously you've got your sort of interim training in between fights keeping yourself ticking over but what does a sort of camp look like or, or not you know what does it look like in the gym as a daily routine so obviously sometimes you could get eight weeks notice sometimes this fight I had about five but luckily obviously I was training anyway one of my old friends Colin used to train me when I was a little girl so he went in Portsmouth he takes me on the track doing hill runs so we would just keep doing them in the week um I've got Gary Jones who's in Lee Park does my S&C so we're doing that and then in Guildford I've got all the boxing side of things with John so we're doing sparring bag work pads so I'm training twice a day in the lead up to a fight. So I think that always helps as well. And if you're feeling really nervous, you know you've done everything you can in the yeah. camp. It's like that's a big weight off your shoulders because you you know you're fit at least. And what does the diet look like? Is there a sort of diet plan in the five weeks? Because obviously you need to refuel, you need to take on various macros and stuff, but you've obviously got to stay a certain weight. So how, how does that look in terms of like nutrition? Yeah, just sort of eating eating good food. I did have a meal prep company that was sponsoring me. So they was giving me my lunch and my dinners and just like your general healthy things, sweet potato, chicken, salmon, pasta, like broccoli. It's just all different like that. Obviously, they're not sponsoring anymore. I need to look for another one now, actually, because they really do help with the meal preps because I haven't dieted for so many years. Having a meal prep there, you've got no room to mess up and choose something else. You've got your meal there, it's set. Bung it in the microwave when you get back from training. And yeah, that's it really. That's why well, they're good. I, I do like, so I would normally go into the meal preps when I'm um, leading up to the fight. And kind of in between fights, we know you that you don't obviously love your country music. You, you know, you've got a great family around you, etc. cetera. Um, so how, how do you spend your downtime? How do you spend your leisure time that's not going to derail you too much from your sort of eventual goal? Yeah, so obviously just sort of catch up with family because obviously there's been a few like family events or meals I haven't gone out to um, leading up to the fight. So yeah, just catch up with that and little things like if my nan needs help doing something or I'll have more time to sort of go and do things with her. 
took the, the dog to Dorset after this last fight and just um, ate some nice food, really. So, yeah, not really too much things, crazy things, just more sort of chilling out. I'm just happy just to chill out afterwards. But I still like to even keep up my running in the week after and stuff because, like I said, if you're going from training twice a day to nothing, that's what keeps my mind really good. So if I just stop training, it makes me feel awful. So, yeah, I just sort of do that. So, um, Ebony, what's next? Your your professional record, you're uh, unbeaten in three. Uh, you've won two and and drawn one, which, in my opinion, uh, biased, obviously, that you, you won that fight. But uh, it was a warning and draw. Say that. <laughs> um, not as controversial as the uh, headline fight, though, I must say. But um, no, I, I always said I was lucky they didn't give me the loss. Yeah, for sure. For sure you were. Um, what, what's your kind of plans now? Obviously, you're, you're establishing yourself very much so as a, uh, a leading female boxer. And um, you're obviously waiting for your next fight. But what's your kind of outlook? Are you looking to be, I assume, at some point, boxing for titles and um, and such like? Yeah, obviously, I'd love to fight for a title. Just sort of, I just want to get as many fights in as I can, really. I had three years out of the ring, so I'm still sort of, I want to be getting the experience in, getting the rounds in. But yeah, I'd love to fight for a title. Obviously, the end goal was a world title. But obviously, I'm in no rush to get to that. I just want to be fighting all the time and yeah if the titles come along even better yeah good stuff ebony we're pretty much out of time now for today but thanks so much for uh, joining us on the podcast yeah thank you thanks for having me all the best for uh, your next fight i'm sure i shall hopefully be there yeah thanks ben simon thanks for having me take Peace it easy bye. bye bye well it's lovely to chat to our guest ebony jones there simon what, what key takeaways did you get from uh, from our chapter well, apart from the fact she's a very driven, hardworking woman, loads of things to be honest. But I, I was having a meeting with someone this morning, and I was something, saying something very, very similar. Um, obviously, when I asked about the mind bits and bobs and the coaching, she said, "Yeah, it is available." But sometimes I just like to. I'm confident in the fact that I've trained and prepared well, um, and I'm feeling good. And she lets her actions speak for her. She puts she if her body's right and um, she goes into these things ready, her mind follows. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these things can be overthought, and and really confidence can be can be gained, um, and mental uh, resilience and stability can be gained from just the results you get by just doing, just going. And I think, in a mindset sense, some people get, you know, we talk about analysis paralysis, don't we? And we talk about over. You know, you, you see all these like seminars and people, you know, there's always the same people that go there and they never really do anything. And they call it shelf development, don't they? Where you, <laughs> where you've, you know, you've, you've got all these books on the shelf and, and you read them, and you never put anything into practice. Well, sometimes you've just got to go. You've just got to do it. Um, and there's never a perfect place to start in what we, you know, we're taking obviously her point and put it into a more of an entrepreneurial or business setting. Sometimes you just got to do it and, and be confident that, you know, there's never a great time to start and, and to just do. Um, and then your mind and your resilience and everything follows. So I thought that was a really interesting point you made. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that point. And the other takeaway I had, which sort of links to that, was the the kind of consistency factor where she, she'd obviously, you know, had a love for the martial arts and, and boxing from an early age and then um, continued that. And she almost got her dream. She was on her way to the G team. Well, she made Team GB. Um, she didn't make the Olympics, unfortunately, which must have been a real crushing blow mm. um, to, to suffer, especially when you train in a discipline as, as, as intensely as, as boxing. But she went away 
you know, she went back to the, into the army, carried on working, but carried on her training, you know, kept her fitness up and to a certain extent. And then, you know, two or three years later decided, right, I'm going to make a push for this. She obviously fell in with good people um, up at the Guildford City Boxing Club. Um, seems like she's got a great team around her there and, you know, picked up and, and then and kicked on from there really so that that to me demonstrates the um, the consistency issue that we um we talk about a lot just keeping going you like get going the point that you made and then keep going is, is my point yeah. as well yeah totally totally that do you know what I, I loved her ring walk it wasn't hugely ott but it was something quite different and i think she is quite right a lot of these uh, amateur boxers and a lot of the sort of early professionals can can really push themselves to the forefront by just being a bit of a bit of a personality and she she did say you know the important thing is to be yourself because you you know you see a lot of these you know especially in UFC and stuff they create these characters it's almost one down from wrestling where you think it must be exhausting to keep up this persona mm. but you could tell it was her you could tell it was all her and you know you are if you're if you're on social media if, if you're coming out to slightly different kind of tracks look you know looking different talking and just being unapologetically yourself you are going to get noticed and if you're going to get noticed in boxing you you get you get nods ahead of other people that could way be you know more talented to be honest yeah i mean let's face it it is a sport first and foremost but it's also the entertainment business of course you know you, you, you know it's on box office you're charging people 30 quid to sit in their own living room like you have to put on a bit of a show don't you at the top end i, I had a mate he was um he used to go to our school. He was a couple of years older. He was ended up in the UFC. Tom Kong Watson. Don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever heard of him. He's from Southampton, but he used to come out. We used to go to some of his fights, and he started off in Cage Rage in like 2007, 2008. That was Wembley Arena and stuff, and he ended up in UFC in the end. But you go to these events, and we had like the ringside table and stuff, and um, you know everyone's coming out to my angry rap music and this that, and the other. He came out once in a wedding dress with a monkey mask on. So he, his nickname was Kong, Tom Kong Watson. So he'd always come out of a gorilla mask on as standard. <laughs> but he used to come out to like these ballads and um, the whole place would stop. And you see all the phones come out, you know, where everyone's just having their popcorn. And even the London fighters would come out at Wembley and like there'd be, there'd be some applause. But this guy from the South Coast, 15,000 lights come on. And you think, right, he knows what he's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. and he, he ended up fighting um, Alex Reed, who's at the time married to Jordan. That day he came out dressed as Jordan. <laughs> and um, to that's some like, to, that's one way to wind up your mate, <laughs> exactly. To, to some trashy music, all of his mates were like playing characters as they, as they all came out. And you think it is a bit tacky, it is, but it is a show, it's a show, it's entertainment. And you know, I, I like that, I like that from her, and hopefully, that can you know, she can push that on. Yeah, the um, just without going too far off piece, very short. I don't know if you saw the um, the second time that Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder in Las Vegas, talking of ring walks, he came on <laughs> carried on a throne, yeah, um, by an entourage dressed in a king's robes and crown with a staff, um, to Patsy Klein, crazy. <laughs> uh, and we were just it was four o'clock in the morning because it was at Vegas time me and my mates that got up to watch it we were all kind of whatsapping each other like this is insane like, yeah yeah you know, yeah yeah. you yeah. better win now otherwise it's going to look really no. really stupid I, I, do you remember but when he, Prince Nassim Prince Nassim Hamid his first fight in, in he came in on like a magic carpet didn't he do you remember yeah, that? I, remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think that went as well but he um, but wasn't that the fight where Deontay Wilder came in, in um, he came in in like a sort of knights you know like a sort mm. of um, 
Yeah. And he complained. He said that that was the reason. Said that uh, cost him the fight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Too, too heavy. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers now and I'm going to follow everything she does. And, um, you know, she's doing it obviously for our city, doing it for, and and doing it for Britain. So fingers crossed. Yes. And, um, just like to say thanks again to Ebony for joining us. Um, keep an eye on her career as it progresses. Um, and also from Portsmouth, we got, Mikey McKinson, previous guest, who's who's uh, fighting in America on the 6th of August, I believe it is. Um, he's making great strides now, going from strength to strength. And his um, his brother, Lucas Ballingall, is also a top, top professional boxer from Portsmouth. So um, we're well represented now and, uh, and growing. So um, thanks for listening to this week's episode and um, see you all next week.